like to welcome a very very special guest his name is eric jackman and i had the pleasure and what's the other word i wanted to say use uh yeah the pleasure and the honor of being a guest on his show it's eric jackman and he is a new hampshire politico comedian voice actor podcaster an awesome trump impersonator <laughs> and a proud Tulsi Gabbard 2020 alum, as well as the host of the Jackman Radio and co-host of the Four Horsemen podcast, Mr. Eric Jackman. Welcome to Get Mad. Hey, Chris. Thanks, man. That's a very flattering intro. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, man, I had a lot of fun having you on the show. You know, like I told you, I saw you on Tripoli and Sam Tripoli tinfoil hat, and I was like, man, that guy's talking about some interesting stuff you don't hear a lot about. Uh, I want to have him on. So I hit you up on Twitter, and you uh, you graciously came on the show. You, you flew, in, flew in from China, and you came on the show, and it was incredible. But, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> You're great, dude. Um <laughs> I'm not, I'm not being Mr. Professional right now, but <laughs> I'm kind of fanboying out. But I wanted to ask you something. Um, we had kind of talked a little bit, uh, on social media earlier today. Now, was I correct? You have a scoop of sorts right now. Yeah. So I hung out with uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. today in uh, wow. Manchester, New Hampshire. And he is seriously considering running for president in the Democratic primary. Uh, challenging Lord Brandon, um, an insurgent <laughs> kind of uh, based independent uh, style big coalition primary, and uh, he was there today with his wife, who's an actress, Cheryl Hines. She's on that show, Curve Your Enthusiasm. Yes, she's like a big Hollywood actress. And one of the sec- one of the questions he got in the Q and A was, uh, "Hey, are you going to run for president? You're here in New Hampshire. We want you to run. Are you thinking about it?" And he said, "Yes, I am thinking about it." I'm giving it serious consideration, and I've already passed the biggest hurdle. My wife is on board. She said I can do it. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, you know, RFK Jr. lives over in sunny California. He doesn't need to be in New Hampshire on the eve of a 12-foot or a foot uh, 12-inch snowstorm yeah. uh, in March. He's, he's not doing it just because, you know, for the hell of it. Uh, he's, you know, this is going to be my seventh New Hampshire primary and I've seen them all, man. And I, I heard wow. someone today who I think is seriously uh, probably leaning towards running for president. And there's an opening for him here in New Hampshire because Brandon and your mainline Democrats are shutting shutting down the New Hampshire primary for the Democrats. They say New Hampshire should not go first anymore. Oh, We've been cool. first in the nation for 100 years, but we're not diverse enough. And we just we're a small state. We don't represent the country. We don't deserve to go first. Well, yeah. RFK Jr. came up here today, and he evoked the memory of his uncle, John F. Kennedy, 
in the memory of his father, Robert F. Kennedy, and talked about their times campaigning in New Hampshire and how much they enjoyed meeting with Granite Staters in people's living rooms, at stores, at coffee shops, at diners, doing the retail politics, going to churches, uh, meeting people face-to-face, which is what needs to happen in this process. So he's a defender of that, and I, I really appreciated him sticking up for the New Hampshire primary. And then I had a chance afterwards to say hi to him quickly, and uh, I had him sign a couple of books for me. I got a picture with him, and uh, I told him, hey, man, I'd love to see you run. I think uh, you would be a much-needed breath of fresh air in this whole thing. And it's pretty damn hard to ignore a Kennedy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually getting kind of teary, teary-eyed right now. Oh, um, man. I, I'll tell you what, Chris. Sorry to interrupt you, but I did too, man, during his speech. Yeah. He, um... Because I gave up on all this, uh, this, you know, the, the political campaigning and everything. You know, I, I did it for John Kerry like an idiot. Yes. And okay. then I did it. That was I, me too. Yeah. I went up to New Hampshire. I, I knocked on doors and then I found out that he, you know, he was just another, uh, Cheney and Bush cousin in the whole yeah. skull and bones thing. Skull and bones, Illuminati. <laughs> That's right. And he didn't, uh, unlike, uh, Al Gore, who I, thought was a creep too i mean he john Kerry didn't even put up a fight nothing you know i guess maybe he had a deal already sealed for the next couple of years or whatever and then and then like a like an idiot i bought into the hope and change the first time around and after that when uh, i saw what was happening and that i was lied to and i don't mean to make it make this a downer thing because you're you're great so i it's just <laughs> i have all these memories flooding back because uh, Robert, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is someone I could actually, uh, you know, have, I do have faith in, you know, and I thought that that was dead and gone because I thought this whole thing is all rotted from the, you know, to the core. Hey, you're not, your feelings are not unfounded, Chris. And yeah. I, you know, I, I largely feel the same way. I had a lot of my faith, well, I had some of my faith restored with Tulsi for 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. she's a real person. She's not, you know, one of the bought and paid for shows. Um, and actually, the whole thing with Hillary and her too, like that. Oh, incredible! Know. Oh, she, yeah. she, yeah, she went to she went to war with the Clintons, and you know what happens to to people yeah. across the Clintons. But um, yeah. no, I, I I talked to Tulsi yesterday, and I told her I was going to be meeting uh, RFK Jr. today, and she's an admirer of his, and said, you know, send him my aloha and my best. And, and I mentioned that to uh, Bobby today and he's a big fan of Tulsi. So what I'm seeing happening here is kind of some national figures of conscious and integrity rising above party labels and party lines and political tribalism. I mean, you know, I also want to talk about this too. I, I did that big anti-war march. On yeah. I was going to ask you way before the big scoop, which uh, yeah. I'm, I am, uh, I'm crying right now. Oh um, man. No, <laughs> well, yeah. Those tears of uh, joy for a change. Oh, that's, that's but, yes, please, please do tell us about your experience in D.C. Yeah, so, well, to, just, to, just to finish on the RFK thing, the reason that I got teary-eyed today during his, his speech was he talked about uh, after his father was killed in 68, uh, thankfully RFK Jr. was able to fly out to um, Los Angeles and be with his father in his final hours at his bedside. He flew on... Walter Mondale's plane. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, Humphrey, Vice President Humphrey's plane. That's right. And, uh, he got to be with his father when he passed. And then he accompanied his father back to, uh, New York City at the, um, 
uh, the cathedral there where the where the big yeah, was. Where John John Jr. later would have his uh, memorial. Right. And um after the fu- after the funeral and everything from New York to DC there was that train ride with RFK's yeah. coffin and and yeah, RFK really. Jr. was on the train and he said what normally would take 3 or 4 hours took almost 8 hours because more than 2 million Americans came out along the train tracks to pay yeah. their respects and say goodbye to RFK. And why well, well, I, I, I got too. Yeah. That, and exactly, Chris. And he talked about who came out just, it, it, there was no left and right. There was no red and blue. It, it wasn't black and white people. It was just Americans came out yeah. to say goodbye to a leader that they put a lot of their hope into and, and yeah. who was going to be a transformative figure um, and, and, and try and bring us back. So, he yeah. talked, he talked about that, man. And I was like, oh, wow. I just, I just, I, I had images of the videos I've seen of the people saying goodbye to yeah. RFK as the train. As the train goes on. Yeah. Till down to DC to ultimately make its way to Arlington. So, you know, yeah. I, I felt, I felt some really uh, amazing vibes today and I'm really excited about the possibility. And if, uh, you know, if my friend Tulsi doesn't run and sits this one out, um, I'll, I will go all in for RFK Jr. and do everything in my power here in New Hampshire to, to help him and go to war for RFK Jr. and promote his campaign because he's, he's, uh, you know, obviously a wealthy man. He's got plenty of his own money and he's, he's, yeah. you know, he knows it's going to cost a lot of money and he's got, he gets media attention. Um, and he's got a huge platform and obviously the Kennedy family is, is woven into the history of our country. So yeah. I, I think this is a really unique, and uh, potentially amazing thing that could happen. So, I'll, yeah, uh, I just keep uh, posted on that. Please do, please do. I uh, the only thing I don't even want to put, I don't want to put it out there into the ether. But he had security. Yeah, exactly. That's all. He had, he had good security with him. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's all. So, oh, you're not the first person, but uh, no, I'm excited, and I'll, I'll definitely keep you posted. So, Please, talking yeah. about like big picture and coalitions. So this yeah, yeah. the War Machine March and rally that I had the honor to speak at in front of the White House. Um, you know, we saw Ron Paul, Dennis Kucinich, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, Scott Horton, uh, Jimmy Dore, Roger Waters sent a video from Pink Floyd. Yeah. Uh, Max Blumenthal of the Gray Zone. You know, we saw people all across the political spectrum coming together to say no more money to Ukraine. Let's get the yeah. hell out of NATO. Let's free Julian Assange. Let's yeah. really take on the deep state. Let's end this war machine and let's invest in our own country. So it was, uh, wow, what an experience that was, man. There was probably four or 5,000 people there in front of the Lincoln Memorial on the mall. And yeah. no problems, man. It was a beautifully run event. It was put on by the Libertarian Party. Angela McArdle was is the chair of the Libertarian Party. She invited me to speak, uh, which I really appreciate. Thank you, Angela, for that opportunity. And then Nick Brana, who is the chair of the People's Party, which is a left-leaning party made up of former Bernie people, right. uh, like the Jimmy Dore faction. Yeah, um, it, it, all, Jimmy, Jimmy Gore was really cool. Like I, yeah, yeah, Jimmy's speech, but his, his, you know, just the fact that he was, you know, he was just talking about how, uh, you know, he was defending um, people on the left and the right, and how easily uh, people can be smeared. You know, oh. well, totally. I mean, look, Jimmy is Tucker Carlson has him on, and say what you will about Tucker, he was horrible in Iraq when it happened, and. His father was probably clearly CIA. Um, yeah, but yeah. but Tucker has Jimmy has Jimmy Dore on. He has uh, people on who defend Snowden, who defend Assange, who defend Chelsea Manning. 
He has my friend John Kiriakou on, the former CIA um, operations officer who went to federal prison for blowing the whistle on torture and waterboarding. So uh, Tucker Carlson gives pretty based people the platform and lets them go on there and say some pretty explosive truths. He gave so, Bobby Jr. a platform, too. Yes. Uh, a long one, actually, uh, surprisingly. Oh, so. That's right. That's right. He, yeah, he had him. Yeah, Fox News. And, you know, it's funny, Chris. Uh, Bobby mentioned that today. He's long had a pretty good relationship with um, Roger Ailes, the former uh, yeah. Fox News chairman. or uh, The chairman, yeah. the, the, the friggin' boss of Fox. Underneath Murdoch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah well, yeah, well, he had to deal with Murdoch, too, but... They've always been really complimentary to Bobby, and they've let him come on. And even when they don't agree with him, they let him be that voice. Yeah. So, um, you know, Jimmy Dore is, is right there in the mix, and he gave a great speech. And it was just – it was awesome, man. It felt really good. And there was – when Ron Paul spoke, I made this point to someone. I said, you realize Ron Paul is the same age as Elvis? They were both born in 1935. <laughs> so <laughs> if Elvis was still alive, he'd be the same age as Ron Paul. <laughs> if only Ron Paul could still be uh, serving, you know. <laughs> Oh, I know, man. Yeah, he's 87, and uh, he's still got it in him, though, man. You know, he didn't have to get on a plane and fly from Texas to D.C., but he did. He still cares. And, uh, he still know? cares. Exactly, man. So I was just – I'm fired up from this, man. I'm inspired. It's its its a really awesome coalition. I met a lot of amazing people. I networked with a lot of great people, and I think it's the beginning of, of something that, that could be really powerful and uh, potentially awaken a sleeping giant in this country because – this was like the, probably the largest anti-war gathering since Iraq, 20 years. Yeah. yeah, and it's just unfortunate that a lot of these talking heads, like, uh, you know, I don't even want to give them the spotlight, but people like uh, Rachel Rachel Maddow, oh. you know, just uh, poo-poo the whole thing, and they try to diminish it. And, and what you told me about what Mr. Kennedy had announced and everything, like, uh, that blows all that crap out of the water, you know. Maybe, yeah. maybe this is the real hope and change, finally. Well, you know, to me, RFK embodies what Democrats used to be. He reminds me of Dennis Kucinich. Um, yeah. You know, Kucinich was there. I've known him a long time. I met him when he ran in 2008 here in New Hampshire. You know, I had dinner with him and I hung out with him and got to spend some time with him. Uh, and he gave, he, Dick Cheney was uh, threatening him all the time. Remember? Oh, of course. Oh, well, well, Kucinich brought articles of impeachment in the House against Bush and Cheney. That's right. And, um, so yeah, RFK Jr. Man, he's he's um, it's really interesting. I'm I'm really excited about the possibility, and he's going to be able to speak some truths on a really big platform that we don't usually see from from politicians. Exactly. No, and I'm glad that you shared that with us. And uh, yeah. if you don't mind, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, find your speech and uh, yeah. include that with the show notes. And, and sure, people can check that out. Okay, so uh, all right, so uh, we're going back to we're going to you now as a person, as an entertainer, as a uh, a journalist. Um, you, you have many hats, my friend. Um, what what started you off uh, in the media, or like, or what made you want to speak out or entertain or like anything in the spotlight? Basically, I know yeah. it's a loaded question. Sorry. Oh man, it's a great question. Um. Well, I always really point back uh, to my father and my uncles, um, who are just amazing dudes. They're these. Uh, my dad was from Newfoundland, Canada originally, and um, he has. Oh, that's right. My mother, my mother's side of the family was from Nova Scotia. Wow. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, the Maritime Provinces, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so he was born up in Newfoundland, and he has um, five brothers who are all still around. And, you know, unfortunately, my dad passed away in 2017. Um, Sorry to hear that. Thanks, but uh, he's, he's still with me. He's with me every day and everything that I do is a tribute to him. But, um, yeah, so, you know, my, having a twin, you're already an oddity in this world. <laughs> You got a, you got another dude out there who looks just like you and people are always looking at you like you're, like you're, you're weird and, well not weird, but they're just, they're fascinated and intrigued that there's two human beings that like look exactly the same. And they're like, is he the evil one that they're supposed to be chained up in the basement right now? Exactly. And they're always comparing you and they're wondering, you know, which, which one's this one. And so there was, I already kind of had that like my whole life from, from as long as I can remember people looking at me and wanting to hold me and, <laughs> um, you know, my dad would take us to the mall and people were like, can we hold them? And he, he, it's just, it's crazy. So we were just like kind of used yeah, to that. Usually, he, usually t- people would be telling my parents, like, can you get him away from us? He's kind of <laughs> But that is uh, the Pizza Hut buffet, you know. Oh, God. Oh, oh yeah. Pizza Hut. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, my dad was always into music and he always had a guitar around the house and he played acoustic and, the Beatles were always on, the Moody Blues, the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, the Who. Um, you know, all that music was always playing as long as I can remember. So uh, ABBA, I love ABBA from Sweden. So all, all that music was always playing, and I watched my dad play, and all my aunts and uncles are musical. They play instruments and are talented. So there was always that around. Did you end up uh, playing around, like, with music and in a band? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, I was, I was in a few bands through high school. I learned how to play guitar from my uncle John, who's also left-handed. That was cool too, having a uncle who's also left-handed who knew how to play guitar and actually had a real left-handed guitar. Yeah, like a Jimi Hendrix or Kurt Cobain. Yeah, exactly. We didn't have to like do the whole restringing it thing. You just go buy a real left-handed guitar and play it and learn it. So yeah, I picked, I picked up guitar along the way and my brother's a drummer in a, in a rock band called Northern Stone. He's a powerhouse drummer. So we always had the arts around growing up. And then when we got into school, there's obviously school talent shows and school plays and Shakespeare Club. So my brother and I always signed up for that stuff. And early on, we developed um, a knack for impersonating people. It started with our family. It started with our mother because our mother and her family are from Cambridge and Somerville, Mass. So we would make fun of their uh, Boston accents at all the family parties because, you know, my dad would always make fun of the accent. and Pack the cat. The sun is shining this month, and so are the savings. Stop in Seasons Corner Market and pick up C4 energy drinks. Get three for $7.50 and save 15 cents per gallon of gas. There's always a reason to stop at Seasons. Barbados, here we come. Can't believe we're leaving our Jakey all by himself. Honey, he's 25. I think he'll be okay. I got him 17 Hannaford frozen pieces. <laughs> That's all he eats. Wouldn't it be nice if we got, like, personalized coupons from Hannaford for all those? Would be a lot of savings. This in-flight entertainment is brought to you by Hannaford Rewards. Get personalized coupons based on your purchases. Hmm. See, honey, everything's going to be fine. It's simple to save with my Hannaford Rewards. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're from Somerville. We actually we we were born in Somerville and we lived in Cambridge now near Mount Auburn. Mount we can, Auburn. <laughs> we can piss her. <laughs> yeah. So that was like our first impressions. Uh, Persuasions were just poking fun at our family members, our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents, um, and then we would get to see like celebrities or actors, and we do their impressions, and then like Bill Clinton, we would do his impression. So. 
my dad realized that my brother and I were actually like quite good at impressions. And he's like, man, you, you guys, you should get up in front of crowds and do that, man. Cause you make me laugh and you make your aunts and uncles and your mom laugh. Uh, there's no reason a crowd wouldn't like this. So yeah. like for the talent shows in middle school and high school, my brother and I would get the permission from all of our favorite teachers who we had impressions that we did of them. Uh, if we could go do the impression in front of the whole school at the talent show in front of, you know, five, 600 people. And, uh, you know, they all signed off on it. We had them sign something so we could cover our ass and we wouldn't get in trouble. Right. And, uh, we'd go do the talent show and it just became a thing. Like, oh, the Jackmans are, they're going to be performing. They're going to do impressions of all of our favorite teachers and some political impressions. So it's just like what I got to be known for. Did you guys just, ever get involved with like cable access? Cause that was something I did uh, as a kid too. Oh yeah. Well, uh, Franklin Pierce University where I went to college, uh, has what's called FPTV 25. And right when I started, you better believe I went and got my own show. Well, I got, I got in with some upperclassmen so I could be on a show. And then when they graduated and evolved, it became my own show that I did with my friends and my brother would come and guest and be on the show. So that was like similar to a cable access. Yeah. It was so much fun, dude. Oh yeah. I hope none of those tapes ever see the light of day though. Oh yeah. Mine either. Yeah. I burned them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the first one was 1994, and then they were lost in nice. fire, Chris, like the Sony tapes. They were just lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like tears and rain, gone forever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we just, I had a lot of encouragement from my parents and my aunts and uncles, and they nurtured that, and they never said, like, no, you can't do that, or that's silly and that's stupid. They really encouraged us. That's a great um, thing. It's a yeah. Rare thing. It is, man. And now being older, I mean, I always appreciated it, but when I when I see other people with their kids and they just poo-poo passions that their children have or they say that's not practical or you need to go, like, f- figure out a career and not do stuff that brings you joy, you know, that, that's a bummer. But I, I was, you know, my, my brother and I were very lucky that we had a supportive family and all these aunts and uncles who were supportive that come to our talent shows, that come to my brother's shows, my comedy shows. Um, so that's well, like the performance aspect of it. So, so, okay. So that's, that, all right. So we got the backdrop there, which is awesome. And, uh, and I'm really glad that you had that support. Um, it's very key, especially someone, uh, someone successful later on in life. Um, what, what got you, uh, politically motivated? Yeah. So, I mean, my, my dad was never a U.S. citizen. He, he never was actually able to vote. I mean, he paid taxes for, you know, yeah. <laughs> Well, 50 years probably, you know, it has a social security number. He was a resident alien of the United States from Canada. But my mom, so my, my dad was never really big into politics and my mom was never into politics. Like she would vote, but she, she was not, she's never really been a political well, most person. Most people aren't, I feel like, you know. No, really, really what it was was moving to New Hampshire and yeah. learning about the New Hampshire primary and learning as a young kid that anyone who wants to be president has to come to the state and meet yeah. people face to face, talk to people, answer hard questions, do interviews, and I just kiss babies, was, you know, kiss <laughs> kiss babies. Exactly. I was just like, I was like, what? Really? I was fascinated by that. <laughs> and um, you know, in school we learned about it. They told us about it, and it was really like a eighth grade American Heritage Tour trip down to Washington D.C. And George W. Bush's motorcade drove past us in D.C. and we saw him. And I was like, wow, that's cool seeing the president. Right. And, um, you know, I knew that the, 
in the next couple of years, the 04 <laughs> primary would be heating up and there would be all these like senators, governors, Congress people, uh, yeah. their surrogates coming to New Hampshire. People, so when you're a kid, like people you see on TV, you're, you're, you're fascinated by them and you're transfixed by them. And then oh, this yeah. idea that I could see the people on TV in person and then I could be on TV with them and get pictures with them. And it just, I don't know, man, it was, it was really cool. I really liked it. Well, yeah. I actually, I personally, uh, for the 2004 thing, you know, I, I had mentioned about the John Kerry thing. Um, I actually went and saw him uh, a day or two before the election. I think he was doing a speech right there in New Hampshire. And yeah. it was weird. It was weird seeing Secret Service people in person. Okay. And I saw John Kerry there. And actually, the week before that, I was I was up in New Hampshire, too, to uh, listen to Michael Moore come and speak hmm. uh, for John Kerry. That's that. right. Yeah, Michael Moore was up here a few times. My brother went and saw him. He may have been at that same thing. What, Mike, when did you see Michael Moore? What year was that? Oh, oh seven. So this was later when we were in college. Yeah, but I do, I, yeah this is I October do, 2004. Yeah. Yes, I do remember Michael Moore coming through during the 04 election. But so all that, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was in with West Clark. Um, so knowing the access that we would get here to New Hampshire, I just, I, I just, I, um, John Kerry, man, yeah, I volunteered in his campaign. Uh, my junior, senior year of high school, it was the first election that where I was able to vote. Me too. And, yep. uh, it was so, it was cool to meet him in person, get a picture with him. And then because of my brother and I volunteering, we got him to come to our high school like the day before the New Hampshire primary and he landed in a helicopter in the parking lot of our high school. Oh, wow. And people were like, Oh my God, the Jackman's got John Kerry to come to our high school and all the national media is here and they're on stage behind him and, Wow. I just, I got addicted to that, man. I just, you know, I like being on stage. I like being in front of people and, and performing. Yeah, it's a good feeling. It's a, it's a boost. Yeah. It's exhilarating. Yeah. yeah. So the politics. So yeah, at that point, man, I was your, you know, average Democrat. I thought I just, I'm a Democrat. I'm against George Bush. I'm against yes. the Iraq war. Uh, John Kerry's going to be different. He's going to end the Iraq war. But like you said, man, you come to discover their cousins, their skull and bones. <laughs> yeah, he voted. He voted to fund the Iraq War every chance he got, uh, yep. and you know he's just more of the same. But what really kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things was actually getting into college and going into the '08 primary when Ron Paul started running for president. Yeah, I know a lot of people like that. Yeah, Ron Paul was the turning point for a lot of people. Yeah, man, I'm seeing all these signs hung up over the freeway in New Hampshire that says, "Who is Ron Paul? Google Ron Paul." And I'm like, I'm like, who is Ron Paul? So that led, uh, that led me into the libertarian rabbit hole. You learn about the Federal Reserve and the, yeah, <laughs> all the stuff that comes with the libertarian red pilling. And, uh, that opened he my was, eyes. He was giving a raw deal too, just like Bernie was. Oh, of course. Of co- oh, of course. Yeah. They're both shafted by the establishment oh, yeah. of the, of the left and right. Um, so yeah, you know, being here in New Hampshire, having um, uncles who always looked into stuff like the Kennedy assassination and 9/11 and the wars and the big events, questioning that stuff. Here, being around adults who actually fearlessly questioned that stuff when and, I was a kid. And they introduced you to Dave McGowan. Am I correct? Uh, so Dave McGowan was years later. I'm trying to remember how I found out about him. Um, you know where I probably first heard of Dave McGowan was. And he did an interview on Buzzsaw with Sean Stone on the Lip TV. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was on, uh, yeah, was it RT America? 
Well, it was before Sean Stone was with RT. He was on an oh, okay. independent network called The Lip, and he had a show with Tyrell Ventura and one by himself called Buzzsaw. Yeah. And he, he interviewed David McGowan. And, wow, uh, Dave was on there with them? Yes. If I if memory wow. serves me correctly, he was either on with Sean Stone or he was on with someone who was part of The Lip. Yeah, and yeah. I had already read a lot of um, Jan Irving's work. Have you heard of Jan Irving? I've heard of him, but I, I don't think yeah. I yeah. So he did a lot of work, but I guess he referenced a lot of Dave McGowan's work. So when I heard this Dave McGowan name being mentioned with the hippie scene in Laurel Canyon, and um, I wanted to learn more. So I dug more into Dave McGowan. and um, That kind of opened I, your eyes to the uh, world of... Uh, conspiracies <laughs> well no i mean i always had been open to reading about consp- i mean i mean my dad had david ike books on his nightstand when i was a kid Oh, okay there you go so right. that re- yeah like that's if you want to talk like a real foundational level of questioning official narratives and being open to things not being what they're what they're you're told and what they seem um that's uh i think you could probably trace a lot of it back to that yeah, yeah, David Ike just... did have uh, a lot of uh, pretty pretty good uh, coverage. Is that the right well, word? Well, he, he, he a lot of good coverage on nine eleven too. You know. Yeah, well, he he was writing about uh, Ted Heath being a pedophile there in Britain, the former prime minister of Britain. Yes. And when he was right. writing about it, people called him insane and said you're full of shit and that's libelous and yeah. um, you know, you can't say that. And then it comes to light after Ted Heath dies, everything David Ike said about him is true. He's true. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> just like with Dave and the pedophocracy, uh, and talking about um, uh, the um, uh, the name is escaping me, but he was uh, a member of uh, Church of Satan, and uh, he was also in the military. Uh, he just oh, passed away. Colonel Aquino, Michael, uh, Michael Aquino. Aquino. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And Dave oh, yeah. had a, a back and forth with him called uh, "Dialogue with the Devil." Where oh. very interesting, very hard to find now. Oh, is that on tape or is that? Well, no, that was uh, on Dave's website, and then Dave's daughters and his mother begged him and begged him because they were getting death threats at the time, and he finally took it down. But I could send it to you. Um, oh yeah, I would check that out. Was well, Sean Stone interviewed Aquino? He um, Sean Stone interviewed Michael Aquino too. I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. Wow. Pretty sure there's footage of that out there. Um, oh yeah, well I read I read McGowan's program to kill, and I read his Laurel Canyon book. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I know about all that stuff. It's dark, man. Yeah, it's very dark. Yeah, it's, he goes to places. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, so the thing about like all the Epstein stuff for normies and regular people who don't have any kind of foundational knowledge. Yeah, um, they're being firehosed with a lot of information. And a lot of it's ba- a lot of it's bad information. So they're believing the most fantastical, outrageous right. stuff, um, which I think is done purposely. Like the QAnon thing. I, in my opinion on the QAnon thing was a psyop to. I thought LARP. that was from the beginning too. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a psyop and a LARP to discredit real people who research this kind of stuff to make you look like you're nuts when you say uh, yes, there are actually elite pedophile rings like the Franklin uh, cover up scandal. Yeah. And the yeah, Martin I point. And- yeah. yeah, so c- coming from New England, um, I was a kid when the Catholic scandal broke. Uh, the, the Boston Archdiocese and, and the dam broke on that spotlight at the Boston Globe. I believe um, that was like what? Literally, it was like eight weeks after 9-11, I think. 
It yeah, was like one fall, right? Right around that time. So cardinal, cardinal law. Bernard Law. So th- this is what I say to people, Chris. I say if an institution is powerful and wealthy and secretive as the Catholic Church is involved in this stuff, what's to say that people who are in banking, defense, aerospace, politics, the media, government, um, are not involved in this stuff and at a level that we can't even comprehend? In Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> Hollywood, that exactly. goes deep. It does, but you have to... <sighs> You have to have discernment with it, and you can't. It's easy. It's easy to just kind of go off the rails, and the QAnon thing weaponized that, and I think it fried a lot of people's brains, especially like boomers on the internet. They're very susceptible to that kind of propaganda and weaponized um, conspiracy grandeur. You know what I mean? Yo, know, the thing with the the QAnon deal is, I yeah, I 100% agree, and I'm glad you, you you're saying that because I always felt really bad because a lot of those people, they you know, that was their only hope was the QAnon thing, and you know, in the end, it felt like. And I'll go I'll go one further with you. I know that you impersonate the guy and you do a great job, but I feel like the whole Trump thing was uh, a psyop in a way too. And it's true, Chris. I could just be a very big Trojan horse. Okay, I had Hillary at my wedding. I had Rosie at my wedding. She ate all my wedding cake, by the way. I'm still very angry about that. She was an um, actual horse, right? No, she was. No, she was. She was a huge Clydesdale, if you could believe it. You know um, what? I'll actually go to bat for Rosie uh, with the Building Seven stuff. She oh, actually, Rosie, Rosie on the View was based. She had the oh, guts yeah. to. She actually was going to have the loose change boys on the view, but that got the, they pulled the plug on it last week. I was watching that day, and I was hoping uh, that yeah. she was going to have a bunch of uh, New York firefighters that were going to talk about the explosions in the building. But you I know think what happened Rodriguez. to me? Yeah, he he was uh, scheduled to be on there too. But you know, the weirdest thing happened, Eric, that day. Okay. And that. I tell people this, and they don't believe me. But guess what happened uh, when the view was supposed to come on? What happened? Well, George W. Bush held a press conference in the Rose Garden and talked about nothing for an hour. Really? Basically preempted the view, but on every channel. Wow. And then shortly thereafter, Rosie was like, I'm done, and she quit. And then they said, oh, no, she was fired. No, she quit. She was disgusted because they wouldn't let her redo yeah. the thing, you know what I mean? And I remember that right. like yesterday, and that, that Rose Garden footage of him talking about nothing, very hard to find now. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I just remember around the time, because uh, my brother and I got Willie Rodriguez to speak at my college in like 2007. And, um, you know, I've oh, known him. You get to know him? Yeah, I know Willie very well. He's, he's a, what a what an amazing man he is. Just a courageous uh, you know, Strong person. What yeah, a story! What a story! I'd like to have him come on at some point too. But but I am just, I'm reminded right now, Eric. That we have to take just a, a little mini break right now, and we'll be right back with the awesome Eric Jackman. Hi, welcome back to Get Mad with Chris Graves and one of my. Already favorite guests, and I'm not being facetious when I say that, Mr. Eric Jackman, fascinating guy um, from New Hampshire, and he's got a lot of stories, and uh, they're captivating, and 
just being a fellow New Englander, um, <laughs> I love like the local stories even. But um, but anyway, so uh, going back, I just wanted to ask you, um, when I went through your YouTube page, uh, you a couple of you have a few YouTube pages, right? Uh, I have Jackman Radio, and then I have an old one that's mine that I don't think I really have anything on there. Okay, yeah, because I know there was one that was like Trump centric. I think it was Eric Jackman oh, Trump. Yeah, that's an old one. I haven't really done much with that in a while. Okay, all right, no, but it's still fascinating. Um, <laughs> I noticed that you had kind of a run in with Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, uh, more so Hillary Clinton on the actual video, which was fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so like I said before, with the New Hampshire primary, they all come up here and even the ghouls like Hillary Clinton come up here and mix with us commoners. Um, <laughs> you know, they take, they take time, Chris, from vacation at Epstein's Island, uh, you know, do, doing the baby blood smoothies and they come Virginia, and meet with the <laughs> yeah, baby, baby smoothies. Um, so Hillary came and I knew that it was an opportunity to get something on camera and ask her something explosive. And um, I had heard Alex Jones yelling about her being at Bilderberg in Ottawa, the 06 one. Yeah. And she, I don't think there was ever it was ever refuted. Like, I think a lot of people saw her up there and it was kind of like confirmed that Crooked Hillary was she was up there. Ankles and all. It was very disgusting. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> my buddy, Justin, and my brother, Mike, and my friend, Ricky, were like, dude, let's go. She's going to be right in Peterborough, which is actually a beautiful town in the Nadnock region. Um, yeah. the historic town hall where they have all the candidates do events there. So we got a camera, went to the town hall, got right up front. And then the rope line afterwards, we could go up and like get an autograph or a picture and say hi. Yeah. And I ran up and someone behind me who couldn't, you know, get to where I was, was like, Hey, could you ask Hillary to sign this baseball for me? And I'm like, that's a perfect way for me to have her attention. Well, I say, can you sign this please? And while she's signing the baseball, I'll ask her about Bilder uh, Bilderberg. So I went up to her. She had surrounded by Secret Service. Bob Vila was opening for her. Bob Vila was there shilling for her. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, which was this crazy. house, Bob Vila. Yeah, what, what the <laughs> heck is Bob Vila doing here? Wow. Um, but uh, he was there. And like Ed McMahon showing up and shilling pretty, for uh, Joe it, Biden or something. Yeah, I, th I think basically – they were gonna. They promised Bob Vila he could build the cabinet. No pun intended. Quite frankly, <laughs> but, uh, he could build. He could build the cabinet. Um. So, what was Hillary, her reaction? Was she? Hillary uh, signed the baseball, and I said, Senator, it's been reported that you attended the Bilderberg conference in Ottawa, Canada. She went. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I said, Yeah, you do. Your husband went to him, and then she went. Yeah, she acknowledged that Bill had been to wow. Bilderberg. Um. And then I said, Well, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but I just. I, w I would like to know why these meetings are so secret, why we can't know about them and what you're doing at them. And she said, well, sir, since I wasn't there, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh. And I just said, OK, thank you, Senator. And like I was getting looks from her Secret Service guys. Yeah, and, like sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, right? Right. Basically, what what is 3000 pounds green and smells like Monica Lewinsky? Hillary's tampon. The pool table at the White House. Oh, and uh yeah. So the girl that, was pretty, the <laughs> that was a pretty cool uh, encounter and the gravity of it. Like, I think yeah. maybe I was a little more right away. I wasn't totally naive back then, but, I, you know, when I look back on it now and even Alex Stein, primetime 99, who got, who's got his own show on the blaze. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with him? 
I am. He was on my uh, buddy Donald Jeffries' I protest show. Yeah. Cool. So he's a great guy. I become buddies with him. But he, like, when I showed him the video, he couldn't believe it. He's like, dude, you asked Hillary Clinton about Bilderberg? You're a friggin' legend. <laughs> but I was, I was like, oh, I don't know, man. It's, it's kind of afterwards, I was a little freaked out. I'm like, I can't believe I actually had the guts to ask her about that. Am I going to be but, on the Clinton body count now? I mean, yeah. Am I going to end up uh, in a suicide situation where I cut my own head off and kick it like Pele? You know, <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do here? Kick it 50 yards like Pele. Um, but um, Vince Foster. That was, yeah, God, seriously. So that was um, that's one of the beauties of the New Hampshire primary. We can get up close to these people and ask them questions that the bootlicking legacy media won't ask them because they're, you know, all in cahoots with them. Oh, yeah. So that was, you, uh, you had a run in with uh, Joe Biden, too, right? I, I didn't see a video for it, but I definitely met, saw a still photo of it. Yeah, I've met Brandon a few times Brandon. and. There is footage out there. It's not released at the moment. Um, but my f- college friend, Justin, one of my best friends, who we did a lot of this activism in, in college together. He has dug up a lot of old tapes that had some amazing footage. Alex Jones is on there. Willie Rodriguez. Um, the, what was Alex's uh, interaction with you like? Because I, I did see that video, a part of it. Yeah, I mean, Alex Jones is pretty much as advertised, man. The dude is always amped up and he's hilarious and he loved my impression of him. He got a real kick out of it. He's the one who brought me up in front of Roger Stone and called me the real Bill Hicks. He was like, you got to hear this guy's impression. This is the real Bill Hicks. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he got, he got a kick out of my impression of him. That was at the 2016 RNC out in Cleveland. Uh, him and Roger Stone did a book pop up, The Clinton's War on Women, and they were signing copies of it. It was incredible. Roger Stone was wearing a shirt of Bill Clinton that just said rape. It was unbelievable. Rape. Yeah, it just said rape. Um <laughs> But, um, I mean, that's one thing I do love about Trump, how nasty he is at the Clintons. I mean, it was, it was Oh, he brought all the uh, all the rape victims. All up the victims the had state. a press conference, had a press yeah. conference with them like it was Celebrity Apprentice or something. Yeah, wasn't it like in the front row of like the third mm-hmm. debate? I think. Oh, well, he brought them as his guest to the debate to go sit near the Clintons, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable yeah. trolling. I mean, Bannon and Roger Stone organized that whole thing. Oh. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so Biden, my brother – um, asked Biden on camera about Able Danger in wow. 9-11, the Able yes. Danger program. And like Biden couldn't believe this. Some some kid from New Hampshire even knew what Able Danger was and then knew to ask him about it. Right. And uh, he kind of shrugged it off a little bit and said, well, no, there's a lot more to it. And we don't know all the truth. And then some right. woman like yapped at him and interrupted us and he couldn't really finish his train of thought. Yeah, because that reminds me of when uh, I think We Are Change, uh, Luke from We Are Change, confronted him about having ISI, ISI uh, General Mahmoud Ahmed with the wire, wiring Muhammad Adam. So that, that question that Luke asked Biden, my brother did the research on that question. Uh, really? Yeah, my brother dug that up and had the question. And then um, I think world. Luke, Luke uh, did you give it to Luke, Mike, or? Okay, yeah, we gave it to our buddy, and then he gave it to Luke, and Luke asked him on camera about and it. And all he says was, that's classified, right? That's that's classified, man. I was smelling Mahmoud Ahmed, okay? <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was smelling the ISI chief. Wow. But, um, that, yeah. and to this day, I've never heard a satisfactory uh, no. well, answer for why he, that is. Yeah, I mean, I asked John Kiriakou about the ISI, the former CIA guy who worked in Pakistan, who was actually in Pakistan the day Daniel Pearl was kidnapped wow. uh, before he got his head cut off. And John said, dude, do not go meet with these people. 
this is very dangerous. You don't know the waters you're wading into. And John that's told what, me. That's what, that's what Daniel Pearl was actually going to investigate for a Wall Street Journal, right? Terror Wall financing. Street. Wow. Yeah. And John Kiriakou told me there's like two ISIs. There's one that is kind of like not totally pro-West, but willing to work with the West on some things for keeping up appearances. Right. And then there's a more radical element um, in rogue rogues gallery within ISI that are aligned with like Wahhabi's terrorism and, and shit right. like cutting people's heads off and financing uh, hijackers. So, right. Yeah. I mean, kind of like our CIA. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of exactly. Like I, I actually think I, I came across information at one point that show that the CIA set up the ISI in the first place. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know a lot about the history of their found foundation, but you know, a lot uh, of the same just, tactics, you know? Oh, of course. But I just, I got the uh, impression from John Kiriakou that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in the ISI you don't want to meddle with. And he warned, he warned Daniel Pearl not to go take this meeting that he had with those people. And sadly we know what happened to poor Daniel Pearl. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I, I, I ended up seeing uh, that video uh, oh, as, yeah. as a teenager. I mean, I was a teenager, yeah. you know, and, you know, teenage uh, boys, you know, and they're like, oh, what is this? You know, and very grisly, very grisly. Yeah. And then, of course, then you have like the ISIS stuff years later. And then I find out a lot of those ISIS things were uh, kind of staged. Well, you look I'm at the green screen with... photo from yeah. John McCain staff that got leaked. Yes. yes. Like, what, what the heck are we? What What is happening here? This is insane. And I'm not saying all beheadings are, are staged. I'm just saying later on, he came out with the ISIS oh, part of it. Dude, but he, very brutal. Very brutal. Well, oh, yeah. By the, by the time those ISIS videos get to us, we, we don't we don't know where oh, they yeah. originated, where they're happening, who's the guy in the mask. We don't know any of that. I so, think even Abby Martin's brother, um, who's also a journalist, I think he even came out and said he participated in one as a as a joke. And then. And then the State Department or something. I don't want to speak out of turn here. And I allegedly, I have to use the words here, but actually participated in one. And the State Department used it as a, a legitimate one. I think. I think I have that right. Uh, should be wrong. Robbie. <laughs> Robbie. Yeah, yeah. I think he said it in an interview. Uh, maybe even Jeez. with Chuck, my producer. I can't even remember. I think that's who told me that. Yeah, but anyway, Robbie's, that's Robbie's a great guy. He's, he's. I've had Robbie on. Oh yeah, show. I'm not saying that he. Uh, um, yeah, no, that's, I'm saying, that's funny, though, if that's true, if he was just doing it to troll and then. Oh, I wish Chuck was still on the line with us still. Yeah, because I think it was an interview with uh, Chuck that Robbie did that he talked to cool. me. Yeah, we did it in the garage. And uh, all of a sudden we found out, hey, uh, they're using our video as an actual legitimate. Oh, what a crazy world, man. But don't hold me to that. I mean, uh, maybe I had a fever dream and I was eating some bad cheese one night or something. <laughs> the fruit roll-ups that were curdled or something. I don't know. Maybe you had a Trump steak that wasn't so fresh, Chris. Well, to... <laughs> yeah, Trump Cleveland steamer, folks. Well, anyway, uh, going to Trump, actually, um, you had a big moment in front of uh, Mr. Trump, didn't you? Yeah, man, that was, wow. That's pretty, what yeah, a... It's pretty wild. Like, if, what you a wild have video. Yeah, what a wild moment that was. So I, I had been uh, I'd done the Trump impression going back to 2006 when I was in college, um, when he had his feud with Rosie O'Donnell in The View. Um, <laughs> yeah. and she made fun of him. She wished her hair to the side and said, oh, people deserve second chances. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. And then Trump got all butthurt and summoned Entertainment Tonight's cameras to Trump Tower. Calling her a pig or something. And they filmed him, and he proceeded to go on like a two-and-a-half-minute freeform jazz odyssey New York street-tough insult vignette 
and, it, and it's one of the most yeah it's one <laughs> it's one of the most fascinating funny uh ridiculous absurd surrealist monologues i've ever heard so he's like well rosie o'donnell's disgusting i mean you take a look at her she's a slob she talks like a truck driver rosie got mad at me and attacked me because i had to congratulate her on the failure of her magazine her magazine called rosie and this was a total disaster and everybody was suing her as a result but i think that you look at rosie you see the mind the mind is weak i never understood how someone like her even gets on television and i think that barbara walters is probably paying a very big price for putting her on the view i mean if i were barbara and i were running the view i'd fire rosie I'd look her right in that fat, ugly face of hers, and I'd say, Rosie, you're fired. It's almost you know? like I'm hearing it for the second time again, my friend. I got that committed to memory, and that's that was like really when I started doing Trump, uh, and I got like obsessed with it, and my mom would have to yell at my brother and I at family parties, would you stop with the friggin' Trump? You're embarrassing me. <laughs> well, and then you, were actually, were, you were able to actually kind of uh, – turn it into like a cottage industry for you well yeah so you flash forward to 2015 and 16 and the dude is actually running for real and people are like eric you have to get out there your trump impression's really good yeah. you have to get out there get a wig dress like him paint your face get a ridiculously long red tie um and go out there and just do your impression people are going to love it so um i made like a funny cabinet video trump names his cabinet and that got a lot of, you know, for, for a new YouTube channel, I didn't think you'd get any views. It got like a few thousand views. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Oh, yeah. And then word got around town that I was doing it. And the T-shirt company caught wind of it and said, we would like to hire you to go to campaign events dressed as Donald Trump with this T-shirt we have called Trumpy Cat, which is like a cat with Trump's face and hair. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, oh, and yeah. we, want, we want you to promote it for us, get some press, get noticed, hand out samples. And uh, what do you want us to pay you? And I was like, wow. So first of all, someone's going to pay me to beat Donald Trump. This is crazy. <laughs> so then I named my You're figure. Think, yeah, I, right. You're hired. I named my figure thinking that they would laugh at me and say, uh, no, we can't do that. And they said yes to it. And I was like, oh, my God. So I'm going to get paid, you know, thousands of dollars. To do something that you probably would have done. Uh, am I uh, making a leap here when I say you probably would have done that anyway, right? I do, I do it in the shower. Do it in my sleep. <laughs> and um but now someone's gonna pay you for it i was getting paid for like two events of work uh, when i would make a full month at my day job and i was like this is this is insane so that gave me a lot of confidence put some wind in my sails i went to a ted cruz event with the shirt got in the local press got in the front page of the paper trolling ted cruz dressed as trump it was amazing and um I met Ted and I said, hey, Ted, look, if you drop out now, endorse me, maybe I'll make you ambassador to your home country of Canada. Maybe. <laughs> and uh, he, he laughed and took a picture. He was a good sport. His people were horrified, but he was a good sport. Oh, wow. And then the main event was when I went to the Verizon Wireless Arena in Manchester, the eve of the 2016 New Hampshire primary. I'm there with the Trumpy Cat shirt. I'm handing them out, po posing for like probably a couple hundred selfies. People are loving it. I worked the room and the room was an arena with 5,000 people and 200 members of the world's press. And Trump comes on stage, starts speaking. And then he stops for a second. You see in the video, he goes, Oh no, look at this guy. Look at that guy back there. And he said, Oh, do I really look like that? Please tell me I do not look like that. Tell me it isn't Trump. And then he was laughing and he's like, come on up here. And he called me up to the front of the stage and uh, that's a moment I tell people where me and him got stuck in a moment and he parted the Red Sea. You know, the song by U2, Stuck in a Moment. Oh, yeah. 
Um, we got stuck he in a moment. He goes Melania at one point, too. He goes, Melania, would you marry this guy? I don't know. Oh, please <laughs> tell me I don't look like. No, basically saying, look at this fat, ugly guy. I don't look like him. Um, but um, he got a kick out of it. And he said, hey, man, congratulations. I hope you make a lot of money doing this. So I was already there making good money. And yeah. then I have the guy himself giving me the endorsement, you know, giving me a big shout like out. Being, it didn't sound like he was being shitty about it either. No, nah, man. He, look, he hasn't sued me. A lot of right. people, people are like, be careful with Trump. He'll sue you. But uh, I'm small potatoes. Um, so from that moment on, dude, I got on TV. I did a bunch of interviews. Uh, the next morning I had cousins in, in Staten Island. saw me on the front page of MSNBC's website. And it like became wow. a thing. And I became known internationally as like one of the premier Donald Trump impersonators, which was surreal. Well, I got to ask you, right, that 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 seems pretty cool. It seems like you were on cloud nine, but I just got to ask because people will uh, people get mad at me. But don't when January 6th happened, did, how was that when it in terms of the obviously the impersonation business uh, probably dried up for a little while there, right? Well, yeah, it, it dried up a lot from COVID, for starters. Oh, COVID, that was, yeah. That yeah. was horrible for all performers and entertainers, no matter what comedy, impersonations, music, live stuff. That got totally shut horrible. down oh, for yeah. a while. So then you throw in January 6th, and yeah, a lot of people were horrified. And um, oh, well, think, I don't even mean it from a political standpoint. I mean, just like, just nobody's... Uh, getting nobody's, gigs. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. You know, man, I'd have to go look back at like what I did for gigs around that time. I can't really remember off the top of my head, but I will say probably a lot of people soured on the idea of like uh, bringing in a Trump impersonator after that. But um, luckily at the same time, though, or a little bit before that, you got involved with Tulsi Gabbard, right? Yeah. So I first met her at the end of 2018 when she was thinking about running. Um, she came up to New Hampshire in like late November of 2018. And I, I had known about her for a little while. And I, I always really admired her and liked yeah. what I heard about her. So I'm like, oh, when Tulsi comes to New Hampshire, I definitely need to go to an event and meet her. And, uh, you know, she had done Rogan once or twice at that point. I remember that. She was one of the only candidates that uh, I was. Um... We are going to die out here. Someone will find us soon. We're lost. We're out of food and water. And our phones are dead. Well, I've got 5% left, but I'm saving it for wow days at BJ's Wholesale Club. Are you kidding me? No, it's their three-day event where you save up to 65% on appliances, tech, furniture, and outdoor products. But I should probably call for help. Wait, do they have air fryers? Save up to 65% during wow days at BJ's Wholesale Club July 10th through the 12th. Visit BJ's.com slash wow days for details. BJ's, absurdly simple savings. Enthused about at the time. Yeah. And, you know, I knew that she had gone to Syria and met with Assad, which I thought was super based and like really co a courageous thing to do because I would have loved. Yeah. yeah, I would have loved to have seen a, con a member of Congress with a national profile like hers go to yeah. Iraq in the lead up to the Iraq war to see what was going on. No you know problem. what I mean? To like say, hey, wait a minute, let's call a timeout on this thing. So yeah. when I saw Tulsi do that and I learned she was in a she was an Iraq war veteran herself. Yeah. Um, it added some credibility to what she was doing. And she pissed off everybody in the foreign policy establishment by doing that. So I'm like, I like the sounds of this woman. Yeah. So when she, I knew she was going to be coming to New Hampshire to an event not far from where I live. I'm like, I'm going to go to the event, introduce myself. And I pretty much had resolved that, you know what, judging on who else is going to be in this race, 
I could really only see myself supporting Tulsi Gabbard. And I went, I heard her speak. I got to meet her, get a picture with her, talk to her. Um, and I was like, yep, sold. And I told her, I said, I'm, I'm all in with you, Tulsi. If you do this, I will, I will do everything I can to help you here in New Hampshire. And I got a nice message from her on Instagram later. And, you know, I connected with the campaign and then that's, that's where it started. And then for a year, um, here in New Hampshire, I ran point on several events. I helped organize a, a bunch of events, you know, get venues, get press. Yeah. Uh, she would have me introduce the event, you know, give an opening speech and just talk about who I was and why I was supporting her and why I felt New Hampshire voters should, should support her. And, um, you know, behind, she really listened behind to- the scenes, did you ever get a chance to uh, to do your Trump for her? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, oh she, yeah. We, we, that's oh, something no. about Tulsi. I think a lot of people don't realize she has an amazing sense of humor. Oh, yeah. You know, the stuff she talks about is very serious and she's a very she's a serious person and her right. background is incredible. But she is so funny and she's got a great laugh. And uh, my brother and I, you know, we'd be having a meal with her, just me and her and like, you know, her sister and her husband and a couple of staff people. And just, you know, we would just be bullshitting yeah. and talking and just do the impressions for her. And she loved them and she wanted us to get an impression of her. And I was like, yeah, we got to work on that a little bit, Tulsi, you know, so. You must have done the Jesse Ventura for her, too, right? Oh, yeah. Well, when, when the first event I ever introduced her at in Keene, New Hampshire, which was in, like, February of 2019. Um, and I was up there and I said, I, I got a call from a former governor, an independent governor from Minnesota named Jesse Ventura. And he had this to say about Tulsi Gabbard. I'm Jesse Ventura, and I like Tulsi Gabbard. She's like a Hawaiian Wonder Woman. She's like a Swiss Army knife on a surfboard. And uh, that was like part of my intro. And it was funny. People laughed, and she laughed. And um, we brought her up in front of the crowd. There was like, you know, 250 people there. So, yeah, we got to know each other really well. And she knows, you know, that I'm a mixture of I'm serious about the stuff. And I've done a lot of deep research, and I care deeply about it. Um, But also, I have my... You know, sense of humor, and my brother and I do our impressions, and oh, you have to uh, comedy, and that, that's how I deal with it. That's how I deal with all the darkness, man. I have to, you got to honk at it and laugh. Yeah, and there's a lot of it. So uh, that's I have a dark sense of humor myself. Oh yeah, through the night, <laughs> just to just to keep going, man. It's 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 how we do it. But she she's a real one, man. She is uh, she's an amazing person, and. She actually uh, went to the other side uh, from where she was right now. She's uh, as a Republican, I believe. Right. Do I have that right? Well, she left the Democratic Party October 12th of 2022, and she's an independent. She has not joined any other parties as of right now. Um, She will be speaking. No, no, that's fine. She'll be speaking at CPAC um, tomorrow with, you know, Republicans and conservative people. Yeah. but yeah, Tulsi doesn't like political labels and you know that's one of the things that I really liked about her campaign and her platform and what she talked about it transcended political tribalism. Going back to RFK like we talked about earlier, I felt those vibes at RFK Jr. today too, transcending yeah. political teams, team baseball and tribalism, talking about real important issues that impact everyday average Americans and what we can do to come together to do something about it. Do you so, think that that would, could be a, a feasible uh, ticket? I mean, if I, could, <laughs> if I could pick the next administration, it would be we'd, I'd flip a coin. I, you know, who would be at the top of the ticket and who would be the vice president? Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be amazing. I, I, I um, no, I mean, Tulsi knew I was going to meet RFK and I don't know if they'd met before, but she said, you know, tell him I said hello. And wow. I told I told Bobby that today and he said, oh, I love Tulsi. She's awesome. Send her my best. So. 
Yeah, you want to um, know something I, I wanted to mention earlier? I've had so many people tell me that, you know, it would be awesome if Bobby Kennedy Jr. ran for president, but he never will because of uh, the issue he has with uh, his his voice. And the fact that you told me that earlier was a part of the reason why I was tearing up because he it was almost as if he's like, I don't care. I'm going to still do it, you know? Yeah, well, deal with politics and the vanity and people. Of course, people presentation. Yeah. Oh no, no, absolutely, man. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because, of course, that was something that I wondered about. Um, my brother and I wondered about, and he, Bobby, even said this. He got up there. He was a little hoarse. You yeah. know, he was. He had a little bit of an issue at first. He's like, he said, once I warm up though and get going, I'll be fine. And yeah. then two, three minutes in, man, he started going. He had a great cadence. He had great flow, and he sounded great. So I think I don't, I think that will not be an issue. Um, the and, guy, it should, and it shouldn't be. And no, it, no. But, you know, to people who are normies and don't like pay as close attention, they'll be like, oh, what's up with that guy? Exactly. But man, once he got going, man, the passion and the courage and, and the, the, the commitment to justice and, and the. Well, the actions came, will speak louder than it came through, man. It, it just it just came through. And. That's I just I felt kind of a magical energy today, man, being around him. Yeah, and you and I've been I was taken aback earlier. Uh, like I said, I knew we were gonna have some fun today, but yeah, no, that was it's like a breath of fresh air because it's been so much doom and gloom for not just the last three years, but the last know. you know since nine eleven or since I know even, I know, man, we're the nine eleven generation, man. Yeah, even yeah. his uncle going all the way back to nineteen sixty three. You know, it's like yeah, sixty losing, years. Losing the innocence, you know, as they said yeah. back then, you know. Don Henley said, this is the end, Chris. This is the <laughs> end of the innocence. Believe me. And then and then he also said. Um, he said, dirty laundry. That's the thing. Yeah, dirty laundry. And he I said, was, it's I, interesting when people die, a dirty laundry from China. Believe me. From China. Yeah, China virus. <laughs> well, anyway, there's actually one, one last thing I wanted to ask sure. you about. How, okay. How did you come across Uncle Lloyd Kaufman of Troma? Oh, good old Lloyd Kaufman. I love Uncle Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my, one of my best friends who I met in college, uh, who I you know, had, did some of that political activism with, he got into the film industry after we graduated college in 2009. He moved straight to New York City very fearlessly. Um, and was able to land a job with Lloyd Kaufman at Troma because we were Troma fans in college. He he turned me on to Troma. I'd never heard of him before. And we're in the dorms one night. He's like, you ever seen the Toxic Avenger? And I'm like, oh, no. Over the top. Heck? Yeah. I'm like, what the heck is that? And he explained it to me and put it on. And then I was hooked. So we watched Toxic Avenger and then Troma's War and Sergeant Kabuki Class Man. Class of Newcomb High. Class of Newcomb High. And then really my favorite is Terra Firmer. That, that's still my favorite Troma yeah. movie, even, even more than the one I was in. <laughs> but actually, yeah. no. You know what, Chris? I have to say, Shakespeare Shitstorm is my favorite. Okay, Shakespeare Shitstorm. That will but, definitely be in the show notes, folks. Oh yeah. So um, yeah. So my buddy got to work for Lloyd. He became his right hand man. Worked his way up the ladder at Troma, and uh, you know, eventually became an exec, a producer, and a, a trusted, uh, competent, hardworking, take no prisoners uh, producer. That's so great. he. Became, basically became a peer of Lloyd's, you know, no longer just being his 
assistant, he showed his salt and how talented and tenacious he is. Um, so through that, he introduced me to Lloyd and Lloyd came to New Hampshire for a screening of uh, class of Newcomb High remake, which my brother's actually in. He has a cameo as a reporter. Oh, yeah. That's in that, he went to Niagara Falls for like a few days and filmed a cameo. They were they were staying at an abandoned funeral home in Buffalo, wow. which is uh, like insane. But um, you know who? Uh, real quick, uh, you know who was a uh, was also uh, what was the word? <laughs> what was the word that you had mentioned just now? Um, that your friend became to Lloyd, basically. Uh, I became a peer, like a, a peer. You know who else was a peer with uh, Lloyd right in the beginning of James Gunn? Well, no, well, yeah, well, yes, James Gunn and the also South Park um, boys. Matt Stone too. Yeah, but yes. I'm talking about all the way back to Uncle Lloyd's uh, his career. Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Exactly. Yeah. Oh no, we talked about Oliver Stone when I interviewed Lloyd and had him on my show. Um, they went to Yale. They were at Yale at the same time, and I think their families knew each other growing up. Yeah. And uh, two different paths. Let's just say that. <laughs> what, what's that? Two totally different paths. After oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so through my friend Justin, we got to know Lloyd. He got my brother a cameo in Newcomb High, and then we got him to come to New Hampshire for a screening. And then um, Lloyd came and like stayed with. We, we set him up with someone to stay with. He came out to dinner with us for a night. We got to hang with him for a night. Really cool. Super, just such a sweetheart. I mean, he paid for everything. He comped. He was just so friendly and generous um, and appreciative of people who wanted pictures and autographs and stuff like that. And, and that's uh, usually not the case with a, a studio executive that's so jaded. And, oh, they're the worst. They're the yeah. worst. Well, Lloyd knows he's where he is because of the fans yeah. and because of everyday, hardworking, average people who love the movies he's made. And he's never lost. He's never lost sight of that. And that's why I really respect the guy. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. So. So it's Shakespeare shitstorm. <laughs> yep. So you flash forward to 2018 and there's word on the street that there's a new trauma movie happening and my friend is producing it. And my Trump thing had blown up and I was kind of known through his trauma friends and stuff that, oh, yeah, your friend is a big Trump impersonator. And they were, it was kind of out there like, oh, there should, there should be a part in the movie where Eric plays Trump. We should get a Trump cameo. And it was kind of out there. and. You got um, to do it opposite of a certain somebody. Yeah, I got to be in the scene with Lloyd in front of the White House. <laughs> so That's that wild. was September of 2018. I flew to New York and was on set for one day. It was probably a 17, 18 hour day. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. And um, brought my Trump clown suit, got into the makeup chair, had their uh, makeup girl, Renata, a real sweetheart. Did my, she did my wig, my hair, my makeup, and uh, I went in this huge – we filmed it at a place called Brooklyn Fire, big yeah. studio, fil, cool film studio in Brooklyn. Mm. And um, there was this just giant room with like a green wall, green screen, a green wall, and there's, you know, cast and crew there, and I'm under the hot lights feeling like I'm melting. And Lloyd was doing a mixture of directing me, but also like ad libbing with me. It was a really cool experience. Wow. And we did a couple, we did a few takes and uh, yeah, luckily they kept the lines that I ad libbed and I had speaking lines in it and I'm shaking hands with Lloyd Coffin in front of the white house. It's <laughs> <laughs> wild, dude. I mean, and uh, <laughs> I got to go, I got to go to the, you know, COVID hit of course, before they could yeah. get it out and that halted any like premieres to go to. And then after all the COVID BS, 
I finally got to go to the big New York City premiere at the Museum of the Moving Image in uh, Astoria, Queens. And uh, I got to see myself on a giant big screen in the theater with 200 people as, as Donald Trump. And it was it was a surreal moment. Yeah, it's one of my bucket items, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen any, <laughs> anymore. So I'm, I'm really, uh, I don't want to say envious because that's not the right word, but I'm very, very glad that one of us was able to live that with that experience it's yeah it's cool that had to have been something like yeah well hey man you know you never know when when opportunities will open up or something will happen and if you if it's something you want to do and you make it a goal you can make it happen oh yeah yeah no i basically yeah no oh yeah i'll never i'll never say never but i I meant in terms of like just with the covid situation and uh, the idea that movie theaters themselves were kind of on their way out even before the lockdowns Right. That's what I meant. Seeing yourself on the big screen, you know, seeing yourself on TV. That's cool. Don't get me wrong. But on the silver screen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty awesome. I'll, I'll always be thankful for it. And this is a really, really cool experience. I know not everybody gets to experience. So I'm very, that's what I mean. I'm, I'm grateful that you were able to experience that. And uh, yeah. I'm grateful you were able to meet Bobby Jr. today too. I, or Mr. Kennedy. I, I talk like mm-hmm. I know him or something, but yeah, uh, in these last moments, last moments, in the last minutes here, I just want you to be able to tell everyone where they can find all your work. And if you want to be contacted, sometimes people don't want to be contacted. And if you have Substack, I have all your links already, but oh, cool. Thank anything you. Anything in particular you want people to know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. This has been awesome. Um, so I'm most active on Twitter at Jackman radio and, you know, give me a follow on there and say hi to me. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I got two profiles on there. One of them is Jackman radio. And then the other one is Senator Jackman. Yeah. So give me, give me a follow on there and say hello. And then we have a YouTube channel uh, just called Jackman radio. And uh, that's where we do our interviews and our streams. Um, and then we take the audio from that. And put it on Podbean, Spotify, Apple, and iTunes. So and we're that, on all. Is that the uh, the Four Horsemen uh, along with Jackman Radio? Yep. So the Four Horsemen is hosted by my friend Reed Coverdale. His show's called The Naturalist Capitalist. So yep. follow him on YouTube. And then once a month is when myself, Reed, and Ryan Dawson and a guest get together, and we'll do the Four Horsemen, which is you know, one of the bigger shows, we'll get a few hundred people watching live and then those get tens of thousands of views. Um, yeah, you got a lot is, of great ones there, my friend. We've got some bangers on there. So like Ben Swanee, um, but like, uh, I was like, oh, wow. We had Ben Swoon on. I love him. We had him. He was our <laughs> last one. And I got to meet him in person at the D.C. rally, which was so yeah, cool. Yeah, I saw that picture. Yeah. I went up to him. I said, Ben, it's Jesse Ventura. So great to meet you. You're a beautiful man. Because <laughs> he actually spent some. And he, he, yeah, he actually got to meet him at RT. I think. Yeah, he, he met him. He met him briefly, and uh, yeah. So that was. Yeah, no, we've had some great guests, and yeah, we do uh, Four Horsemen once a month, so you can catch that on Naturalist Capitalists. And then Ryan Dawson's uh, our other Four Horsemen. He lives in Japan, and his website's the ANCReport.com. And uh, where else can you find me? Patreon. Yeah, so the, yeah, Patreon. That's yeah, that's the best. Yeah, yeah, the best way to support my work um, and, and just you know, keep me going. You know, I use the money to pay for a film crew, for equipment, for travel fees. You know, that's that's how I'm able to do some of this stuff. I'd like to do it a lot more. So I'd like to scale it up. 
Yes. So if anyone listening wants to support, you know, indie indie creators, it's patreon.com slash Jackman Radio. And uh, five bucks, ten bucks, fifteen a month, you know, whatever you could do, um, it goes it goes a long way. And, and you, uh, all, you also have a, uh, a Substack. Yes, ericjackman.substack.com. And typically I use that to write up recaps of like cool events I do. Like the, the latest one I just released a couple nights ago was a recap of the Rage Against the War Machine rally that I spoke at. Um, and lots of cool pictures on there. The, my speech is on there. Um, you know, links to everything is on there. So, yeah, give me a follow on Substack or any of those uh, platforms. And, you know, I just I really appreciate anybody who will listen. And, and you know, I appreciate you uh, having me on here, Chris. This has been a oh, long it's fun. oh, it's been uh, my it's been a pleasure. And like I said, uh, nothing against any anyone else that I've interviewed before, but you're definitely in my top three uh for guests and uh <laughs> thanks man I'm, I'm i'm honored man i'm not even bu- i'm not bullshitting because uh, i just i have no reason to so we're, I, we're not i'm not even, we're not even trying to be braggadocious chris okay just <laughs> believe it we're not fake news we're being real we're not fake news <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone i uh i really appreciate everyone listening and and check out this man's work and support him and i hope he'll be back back again very soon and i want to thank you mr jackman uh one more time not only for being here but for uh giving me uh a a, a boost or a jolt of hope at the beginning there because just to hear you say it you know uh hearing it is different than reading it <laughs> you know so when yeah, i was oh, yeah. hearing it yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's my it's my pleasure, Chris, and and I'm I'm hopeful, man. We have we have to stay hopeful. We can't be all doom and gloom, and yeah, we have to we have to just we got to we got to keep at it, man. So keep up the great work. And uh, you you as well. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. And I appreciate it. All right. Take care, Thank Chris. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.